There are times in one's life when one is drawn towards something for which one is not fully prepared. Going to college is like that. You think you're enrolling to prepare for a job or maybe travel down some paths that you will find a career for which you are suited. And then you discover new ideas and perspectives. You take classes and you meet professors. And suddenly you're surprised by the stirrings within you that lead you to a way of living and being that you could not have imagined before. A marriage partnership is like that as well. You believe you have fallen in love and you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. That's the desire of your heart. Yet this relationship calls forth more from you than you knew was possible. And you realize that a relationship of this kind of commitment is something big because that love will be tested and the circumstances of life might become difficult or change. This partnership is more than just being in love. It involves living to love day by day. I would not have guessed that yet another mission trip to the Gulf Coast could have surprised me, but it did. Sure, this was CLU's fifth trip to the Gulf Coast to participate in hurricane recovery, yet this trip was different. Instead of traveling to Biloxi, Mississippi, where I even know, knew how to drive around without giving lost, always a challenge for me, to work on homes damaged by Hurricane Katrina, we were heading out to Orange, Texas, and Bridge City to a place that I have never been before. Do you remember anything about Hurricane Ike? It did not receive a plethora of media attention for an extended amount of time. When Ike hit land in September of 2008, the storm surge brought almost complete flooding to the people of Bridge City, Texas. 99% of homes and businesses had between two and 10 feet of water in their home. That's a lot of water. Only 14 homes were spared water damage. All told, the damages from Hurricane Ike, the third most destructive hurricane that has made land in the United States, topped out at $24 billion. Long after the media trucks had rolled out of town, when the newspaper reports of a national disaster moved from page one, section A, to page 16, to no mention whatsoever, the work of recovery continued and was needed as clearly as before. When my colleagues, Dina Odegaard and I, met with the first time with the students who were traveling on that trip, we asked them why they were going on a trip like this and what they expected. Even though some of our trip participants were veterans, we call them boomerangers, none of us really knew what to expect in this new situation. As we drove into town, I was so embarrassed when this huge, like Escalade limo, black, pulled up. I thought we were getting a little humble van. But as we drove through towns on the way to Orange, we could see a few blue tarps covering the rooftops, telling us that a lot of people had wind and rain damage. 
Yet much of what we initially viewed on the main arteries of town as we traveled looked as if life had, regone, had returned to life as normal. The work of commerce was active. Businesses uh, like at the Walmart were, you know, there are people there. Business wasn't brisk, but there were a lot of people at that store. The Dairy Queen and the donut shops were open, a sign of recovery. Cars were parked in driveways. Children were in school. Normal life had seemingly returned. And yet, as we looked closer, as we drove into neighborhoods, we could see white trailers parked next to homes, which signaled to us that FEMA had been there. These were FEMA trailers, which means that people were not able to return to live in their homes quite yet. And each day as we journeyed closer into neighborhoods, we could see more of the signs of trauma. What we accomplished in a few days was so small in comparison with the damage. At the home of Don and Eric Height, we worked on their 1930s built home, taking down wooden ceiling planks. One of the first pictures you saw was on there in their home. Did you know that prying out nails that have been in pieces of wood for over 80 years takes a lot of strength? <laughs> Boy, it does. I really didn't think I could hammer one thing the next day. But you know, it's really good therapy for getting rid of any frustrations. If you have anger management, come along next year. Dawn and Eric and their two children tried to ride out the storm in their home. Not a good idea, they said. A storm which ultimately lid, uh, slid that whole house off its pylons. The second home in which we worked, and many of these pictures are from this home, belonged to Gerald McKnight. This home was over 75 years old and was what he called a simple shack when they moved in. Over the years, his wife had added rooms to make it into a really sizable home. Each day, Gerald would come out of the trailers and speak to us. He was quite a storyteller and he would stay there and talk as, as long as his legs would allow him to stand. He was a quiet storyteller who would entertain us with stories about how he would raise roosters for cockfighting, his years in the military, how his wife had turned his life around and helped him clean up his act a bit, and how four feet of water was in their home that meant that practically everything they owned was destroyed. At this home, we had some delightful surprises. We got to work alongside fellow volunteers from Nazareth, Pennsylvania, friends and members of St. John's Lutheran Church. They were folks that we knew from our past years in Biloxi. And we were also really fortunate to build under the leadership of two student architecture and urban design interns from the University of Cincinnati. We kind of brought them into the CLU fold. Well, being a rather large group, we divided up into work teams. Some of us built a large wooden deck off a bedroom. It was a huge deck, while another team put siding up on the outside of a home, which seems like a small task, but that scaffolding was like three stories high. One team worked inside the home to repair improperly uh, um, established sheetrock it had to be finished properly, and so teams of volunteer from CLU did that. 
And then they also tried to build this heating, this framework for a heating unit and air conditioning unit, which I think got a lot of laughs from the construction person. And another team worked diligently to take off plaster on a wall and to repair termite-ridden wooden planks. Well, did we make a difference? I think so. By doing the simple and the challenging task assigned to us each day, we helped two families travel down the road to recovery. For Dawn and Eric, whose financial resources were stretched to the max, we came as volunteers to do the heavy work of demolition. We brought them hope that soon the process of reconstruction could begin. For Gerald and his family, whose health made the work of recovery challenging, we were the sound of laughter and energy as we learned new skills, told jokes on the worksite, and sang tunes to the iPod. I mean, we are students after all. And as we removed a mountain of debris full of wiring, wet sheetrock, nails, shards of broken glass, insulation and plasters, we were their partners in strength. Yet mostly, I'm aware of the gifts of grace that came to me in the larger community as we gathered as colleagues in this work. Grace, the hospitality of the owner of Gator Country, who despite the freezing weather, which means all the alligators freeze in their water, and which meant that his amusement park had to close, he put us on a personal tour of his property and filled our minds with more information than we wanted to know about alligators. And we didn't have to pay that $9 fee to get in either. Grace, the eagerness of the attendant at the Southeastern Texas Art Museum to tell us what happened to his town when the flood came. And the man at the Dairy Queen who kind of hijacked half of our group and talked and talked and talked to them about his storm story and the work we were doing on the site. Grace, the patience of team leaders who would teach us new skills and how to use power tools safely and then say, well, try again, when we made yet another mistake at cutting and measuring. Grace, the selfless servanthood of CLU students who were the very first ones in a very large group of adults to clean up the dishes each morning and evening, and their efforts to clean the place where we were staying on Saturday night so that the church, whose hospitality we were enjoying, could reclaim their space. The next day, the kind of house mother of the Fellowship Hall said she had never seen the gym floor that clean, and that was a lot of work. Grace, the openness of our students to work on construction sites where tools have to be shared, and undoubtedly the tool that you need is in somebody else's hand, and the sheer joy they brought to the work site just by being themselves, by pressing and challenging themselves to learn new skills and get up on that roof and scaffolding, focusing as they listen to each other each night for evening reflection time, and creating caring communities, whether they were teaching somebody how to play cutthroat nerds, a great card game, 
or telling each other about the masks that they wore each day. Grace, the resiliency of the human spirit, to labor and recover from a hurricane the only way you know how, by opening your home and your hearts to strangers, to allow us to work on their home as volunteers, not skilled construction workers, and then to say thank you to us at the end of the day with tears in their eyes. A hurricane leaves a mark, a watermark of sorts, which speak of the forces of damage that Mother Nature can bring. Yet people, working in solidarity with each other, leave a watermark too. It's the mark of grace, a mark of love that knows no limit, a mark that keeps on laboring even when you are tired so that somebody else can find wholeness, a mark of love that multiplies as people work together for the common good. In the space of nine days, I discovered acres of God's grace in Texas. And I suppose that should be no surprise to me because Texans like to do things big. The author of 1 Peter writes this, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things. We are stewards of this outrageous and abundant grace of God. Thanks be to God for this marvelous gift. Thanks be to God for using us so that God will make grace abound. Amen.